The Nature Podcast is supported by Nature Plus, a flexible monthly subscription that grants immediate online access to the science journal Nature and over 50 other journals from the Nature Portfolio. More information at go.nature.com plus. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Like it sounds so simple. They had no idea. But now the data speak. I find this not only refreshing, but but at some level astounding. Nature. Welcome back to the Nature Podcast. This week, it's our annual festive spectacular. There'll be games. There'll be seasonal science songs. And we'll be highlighting some of the scientists behind this year's headlines. I'm Nick Petruchel. And I'm Noah Baker. So it's the end of the year, and what a year it has been. True to form, for this special episode of the Nature Podcast, we'll have something a little different for you. A bit later on, I'll be chatting to Features Editor Richard Van Norden about Nature's 10, our annual roundup of folks who helped shape science in 2023. And we'll be playing 20 questions with the one and only Shamini Bundell. But why don't we start the show with a song? Yes, indeed. So as I'm sure everyone with an internet connection is aware, generative AI has been a big story in 2023. And ChatGPT is arguably the most famous of all. So I felt like it's a no-brainer to include it in our festive song lineup this year. I will say that I did attempt to ask ChatGPT to write the lyrics for this song, but try as I might, I couldn't quite get it to play ball. It almost got there, but it seems that scansion, by which I mean the art of playing with rhythm and emphasis of lyrics, is not one of ChatGPT's strengths, or at least not the free version that I was using. So you'll have to settle with lyrics written by me. Let me know how I did. This is OGPT, performed and recorded by Phil Self. Thoroughly, and LLM in 
interprets thee Tokens each sequentially But GPT, chat GPT Your output soft confuse me Hallucinations come to thee And what is real eludes me Your lines of code so intertwined Your biases can be unkind Oh, GPT, chat GPT Your black box is a mystery So, GPT, chat GPT What is it that you're thinking? Intelligence in a machine Or simply code cross-linking A legal pain for policy Some say that we should limit thee But coding English fluency For science there's clear utility GPT, what more from thee? How will the future treat you? As worries grow increasingly, will rivals outcompete you? You need to cite your evidence and give ideas of confidence as the AI community. Continues to improve you. That was OGPT, performed by Phil Self, with lyrics by me, Richard Van Norden, and our very own Nick Petrich Hal. Speaking of me, now it's time to get excited and start cheering with our live studio audience as we've got the festive quiz. And welcome to the Nature Podcast end of year special festive quiz show. Yay. I am your host, Sharmini Bundell, and with me I have these three guests here to test their skills and their memories. Um, we have Nature Podcast favourites, Benjamin Thompson and Nick Petridge Howe, along with special guest, top briefer of the Nature <laughs> Briefing, it's Flora Graham. So Hello. welcome, contestants. Thank Hi. you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm champion of champions, looking forward to continuing my streak. <laughs> Did you win last year? Probably. I should probably it's remember definitely the pleasure of playing but, um, the game for sure. <laughs> but yes, we're back with quiz time again. Quiz very loosely defined. We're going to be looking back over some fun stories from 2023 and the the quote quiz we are doing today is in fact going to be classic fave game 20 questions. Um, I have here some post-it notes, Mm. which uh, have certain stories written on them. Um, I'm going to be attempting to stick them to your foreheads. Okay. If you just try not to sweat from the forehead area. um, Reserve it for my armpits. (laughs) They might stay on. (laughs) But but the general idea is that everyone except the person whose go it is can see Uh, what the story is. mm -hmm. That person has to ask questions. Technically... You're only supposed to give yes/no answers to questions. I might be a little lenient on this front, and um, 
I will decide the winner, but potentially somewhat arbitrarily, as is tradition. Qualitative but as well as a quantitative. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's vibes. vibes. It's vibes, yeah. basically. It'll be based on how quickly you get it, how many questions, just general. Whether Shamley likes you. Whether, whether you're the my secret favourite. Just slipping favorite her a £20 note across yeah. the desk right now. Exactly. Festive fun, yeah. Okay, so... First up, it's Benjamin Thompson. Right, ready to go. Here we go. Right, right. Close your so, eyes. Um, okay, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean, I'm gonna lean over to Charmony. And those luscious <laughs> curls out of the way. Oh, right. Okay, that's, that's going to exfoliate Lovely. that part of my forehead beautifully. Right, so all I can see now is a big <laughs> yellow <laughs> post-it note on, on, on my right head. right over his eyes. Here yeah. we go. Um, is this a physics story? No. No. Animal, vegetable, and mineral. Stick to the plastics. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, all right. Is, 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 it, is it an animal-based story? Yes. yes. Good. Thank you, Flora, for that one. Um, okay. Is it like a weird animal story? Yes. Okay. All right. All that now is yeah. it down, doesn't it, to something we've covered in the podcast. Is it about animal behavior? Yes. Okay, good, good, good. So, so behavioral... Animal? Is it like a crow? Yes, getting very much warmer. Closer, but not. Yeah. No. Okay, so it's if a... a crow could talk, eh? Oh, oh, thank you. Right, okay. Here we go. So, watch me rapidly go sort of alpine-like towards the finish line. Here, is it about uh, animals that traditionally live in flocks and are very brightly coloured? Yes. 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 Is it uh, about? Getting these animals to communicate with each yes. other. Yes. Oh, yes. I feel like you've got it. I feel like you've got it. Tell us what the story is. So I think this story is about some research in which um, folk got got parrots <laughs> to talk to each other on like an iPad or a tablet, right? Yes. Because yes. because exactly. parrots are social creatures, and there was some worries that they were quite isolated, um, and so to overcome this. They had sort of play dates, right? And and they could choose. I think they could choose which other parrots to talk to, and they made their own little mates and stuff like that. I think yes, was that is that pretty much the story? Yeah, that's, that's it. exactly that's it. it. Yeah, and it, they showed signs of being sort of less lonely and isolated when they were allowed to call their friends. That's so cute. Oh, nice. Yeah, they yeah. could choose their little friends, couldn't they? Yeah. From, like, yeah, thumbnails yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Oh. Right. Okay, Flora, you're okay. up next. I'm going to pass this post-it to Ben. Oh yes. To, to I don't want to see it. Flora, my case, it's my head. Here we yeah, go. Keep, go the sticky it. is working. This is. Good. You right? All right. Feeling good. Feeling optimistic. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Oh, of yeah. all the science stories reported this year, which is on this post-it note. Okay. Oh, oh yes, I, remember I do story. remember this. Okay. Yeah. I feel like okay. obligated to say okay. it's a chat GPT. No. It is not chat GPT. Yeah, is it space? No. no. Is it physics? No. No. Is it chemistry? Yeah, I kind <laughs> of, but no. <laughs> I mean, there's a, yeah. Is it about water? No. What is in well, it? But well, no. Water. It's not about water. It's something that's no. much better than water. Oh my! Ooh, Ooh, that is a good clue. Actually, is, is it about clip. booze? No, <laughs> no. But you're on the right sort of line. So on the right line. Uh, What's the opposite of booze? What is it? <laughs> no, that's no. Ignore that. That is someone. Breast milk? No, no. Make us lay you down the garden. It's about a liquid. It's about a liquid. Yes. An imbibable Ooh, liquid. An imbibable liquid. Good like a delicious coffee. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about yeah. our experience of coffee. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you my experience right now. I've had two cups of coffee yeah. this morning before <laughs> and I am good. absolutely blazing. Yeah. Okay, so coffee affects our feeling of being awake. Yeah. But eventually, 
It is going to come back and bite yes. you on. Yes. 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 Bite you on the wall. Because coffee flora. will. On the, I'm not trying to think on of the, a family what friendly. Do I say? It's bite you on the Christmas pudding. Uh, because it might do something to your brain receptors in order to kind of fend off the causes of tiredness, but eventually. It will hit you later. It will hit you later. Yeah. Repay so that debt. Factor that in. The debt must be paid. Mm. Yes. yes. I remember the story very well. Wonderful. And finally, uh, for round one, we have Nick Petridge Howe. Right, here we go. Oh, oh yeah, right, gotcha, 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 gotcha. I wasn't sure you don't remember this one. Oh, I, yeah. I think because the video was... Sorry, I'm giving ah, my clues ooh, now. Video. Wow. Very memorable? Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. There was a very memorable video. Okay. And now I'm dropping too many clues, but yeah. I'll yeah. reminisce warmly about the video after you okay. get it. <laughs> Is it animal story? Mm-hmm. No. No. Space? No. No. Physics? No, I wouldn't no. say that. Chemistry? Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably a chemistry story, yeah. Is it about a chemical reaction then? Not not really, no. But there's definitely something happening to a material? Is it about something that needs to be hard, but yes. not like... Yeah. Floppy. Hard, yeah. Yes, hardness and floppiness definitely. I don't both think it's what you're thinking. No, it's, it's, is, it's not no. the difference between toughness and hardness, like that but, kind of stuff. It's no. not one of those, no. Floppiness very, and hardness yeah. are both That's present in this story. Because yeah. I'm thinking about a story we did about like hydrogels and stuff like that. It's not a hydrogel Ooh, story. We love a hydrogel, no. but not this one. Not this one. Shall not I drop hydrogel. my clue? Yeah, drop Go a big on. clue. Right, I'm going to give you a, a clue, and it's, uh, it's a movie reference, Nick. And the movie, <gasps> and the reference is Get. Out. Oh. Does not help me in the slightest. When you said movie reference, I was like, oh, I know what movie it is. But now I. No, when you know, you know. So I can think of a really relevant movie. I was thinking of a very different movie. (laughs) I'm thinking of um, I'll Be Back. Okay, oh, this is I absolutely bamboozled. I was thinking of even a third movie. Wait, wait, what's yours for us? The Lego movie. The Lego movie Terminator, get out. <laughs> what is this story? <laughs> Terminator 2 and yeah. the Lego movie are specific to this story. What like, what's, what's the main, like... Poor Nick, this is cruel. Yeah. I know you've seen I this like, movie. because I've we seen this movie a bunch of times. I know, times, right? But but what, what is this story? <laughs> if you wanted to make one of the characters from Terminator 2, yeah. like, what would you have to be able to do? Because mm. one of the characters... Oh, is it about a robot arm? Nope. What, okay. What's the, the other? Terminator 2, not Terminator 1. <laughs> yeah, but it's got a robot arm descending that's into true. lava. Oh, you know, that's quite a classic yeah, that's scene. That's true, yeah. Um... Like what's, that is relevant, when, you, when you think about special effects know, like and movies in the nineties, like what's the what that, when you think of that movie, what was the big <laughs> oh, thing, Nick? This is becoming a Terminator <laughs> based <laughs> podcast quiz. <laughs> what was the big thing in Terminator Two? Yeah, T one thousand. Oh, is it about liquid the... metal? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Ben, ben looks so done. <laughs> I don't think I did this story. Oh, you yeah. did. You, you did. It was me and you. Maybe this was your me day off. You. This was one of yours. Okay. I, I'm Early so bamboozled by all the movie I know, references. I've got no <laughs> idea what this story <laughs> is. Okay, it's so got liquid got, metal. You've got liquid, uh, liquid metal um, doing a little Terminator 2 robot sort of forming. Oh, my goodness. I do remember <laughs> this. I, I think, yeah. I can, I, can I try and remember how I remember this story? Yeah, so yeah, so, so right, some researchers yeah. made... A material out of, I think, gallium, the metal gallium. Yes, well, that done. Nick's head does say gallium on oh, it. Well, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm um, my impressed. And, and, and they made like a little Lego 
figure out of it, and which is yeah. solid. Yeah. And I think if you play with it with magnets, they could get it to turn yeah. into a liquid, oh, pass God, yes. through some bars, take yeah. the magnets away, and it reformed back into the little yeah. Lego. Yeah. Yes, shape. I did do this. It's Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. why, in, in many cases, the plot I mean, of Terminator 2. I do remember that story. Ben is entirely right. When he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, I did talk about that. I remember saying those words. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Final round. Chance to redeem yourself or maintain your success, um, as the case may be. Okay, here we go. Ooh, I feel warmed up now. Yeah, that was that was you know yeah. a little bit of practice. That was breaking the ice. Yeah, getting I'm in the icy it. pond now, <laughs> screaming for help. <laughs> okay, we're back to Benjamin Thompson. Okay, Ooh, is this a story about a movie in the Terminator franchise? <laughs> it's of which, not. No. Of which there are only two movies. It has to be said. <laughs> no, don't email me, listeners. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So, is it about something in outer space? Nope. No. Oh, I don't know about anything else. Firmly on planet Earth. Okay, firmly on planet Earth. Is it about climate? Nope. Nope. No. Is it about something that humans do? Yes. Yes. Okay, right. That can narrow it down. (laughs) (laughs) Significantly. All Um, of human enterprise. Is it about something that I would do? Maybe. Maybe. I think it's about something we all do. We all do. Whether we know, whether we realise it or not. In our field, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it is relevant to our jobs. Oh, is it about, well, is it about talking? No. No. Is it about reading? More sort of something journalists do, I would say, rather than like us. Is it about fact checking? No. No, No, but you're in the right sort of lines, I'd say. Uh, It's definitely about online journalism specifically. Yes. And how you might get people to your story. Is it about crafting a headline? Yes. Yes. Okay. I honestly have got absolutely (laughs) no idea. Yeah, I have only the foggiest memories of it. So, Jim, it's about the choice of words in a headline and what people. Yes, yes, yes. You're doing very well for someone who doesn't know what this is. And the sorts of emotions that people describe, like what are the emotive words that make people want to. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Is it about whether positive or negative headlines. Yes, yes, absolutely. Get more clicks, and I'm guessing. And probably the answer yeah. is probably negative headlines negative. Yeah. Yes. than positive headlines. That's, is that the story? That's, that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. You just worked that I out. Actually, <laughs> incredible. I actually figured <laughs> that out. Just, it's like, I've, yeah, wow. wow. I mean, Crikey. I will continue to play, but that is a <laughs> that pretty a winner, big yeah. serve. Researchers looked into which headlines get more clicks. And the sort of headline fact here was um, people scrolling online news are 1% less likely to click on an article for each positive word in its title. That's why we're going to call this festive quiz How Ben Loses the Festive Quiz. Ben <laughs> talks about Terminator 2, the podcast. That, that ben got Netflix. quite angry about Terminator 2. <laughs> Amazing. Well, right, let's uh, swiftly um, move on to Flora Graham. I cannot wait. Uh-huh. Oh, nice story. Ooh, nice story, story this one. Yeah. Okay, is it ChatGPT? No, <laughs> it's not. Is it space? Yes, it is. Ooh, yay, I love space. All right. Uh, is it a something to do with exoplanets? Nope. Black holes? Nope. nope. Closer to home. Closer to home. Ooh, the moon. It yes. is the moon. Yes. Are we landing things on the moon? Yes. <laughs> Maybe that was yeah. a massive clue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been such an exciting year for things being landed on the moon. Yep. Actually, yeah. we're really spoiled for choice. Are we India landing on the moon? <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> are. Yes. 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 Well, I was like, who 
successfully. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Landing on the moon is hard. I'm not it, it just is. saying anybody. I'm I'm saying good effort to all. Right, landing on the moon is su- super hard, but yeah, India successfully. Oh, and what it. an impressive accomplishment! I think there were so many aspects of this that people loved. I know that the photo of scientists wearing saris and traditional dress became a real talking point, and how mm. great it was to oh, see scientists yeah. in their traditional dress, and how you know how meaningful it can be to show scientists like expressing their culture and you know just breaking apart some of those stereotypes um another aspect was the fact that i loved how india like the kind of mission leaders they were saying like how did you do this on this incredible shoestring budget can you you know can you is this wisdom that you can kind of share with other nations and he was just like look you know we are just so good at this and then we're like <laughs> nobody is ever gonna you know you just can't understand what india can do with with the resources that we have mm. and it was just so impressive to see People, you know, they put their mind to it. Their budget, it was a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what other missions have been. And they accomplished it. And I think it was just, yeah, such a source of pride. Fourth fourth country to land on the moon. Or, mm-hmm. Well, it says to perform a controlled landing. So yeah, yes. that this is the yeah. Not yeah. crashing on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and first to land near the moon's south pole. Mm. Yeah, so we've got lots of exciting science coming up from, from the south pole that we, you know all new stuff already being released. So And more in January, I think, you know, Japan are looking to land a uh, controlled land on the moon in, in yeah. January. Hear more on the Nature Podcast <laughs> in 2024. Listen up, listeners. <laughs> Finally, right, we've got time for one more. Well done, Flora. Okay. We've got uh, Nick Petrichow with the final uh, question here. Okay. Right. Everyone have a look. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Knowing Charmony, um, is this animal related? Yeah, well, it is. Gosh, darn it. it. Is. Okay. <laughs> Straight there. Um... The Sasha doesn't know. It's about octopuses. <laughs> Not this time. No. Not this time. Okay. Is there it... is possibly some level of water involved. Yeah. What some level of water <laughs> involved? I mean, that's quite a lot of things. Yeah, like, I know. I'm trying not to make it too easy. It's not like dolphins or whales no. or anything like no. that. No, not a not, not a that sort much of water. Purely. <laughs> yes. Some water-based. Yeah, no, some not no water. Flipper animal. Is, is a combination. A, no blowholes. A land animal that yes. spends time in water? Yes. Oh, yes. Does it have anything to do with a drug dealer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right oh, I wanted to go to the movies again. Really torture, Nick. What would, have what you seen the television series Narcos, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I may have done, yeah. So... Pablo Escobar, the sort of infamous uh, drug lord in Colombia, uh, had some hippos because, you know, you've got that much drug money. What else are you going to do with your time? And they sort of got out and have been breeding in the wild. And it's a massive, massive problem. So there have been various ways that the Colombian government have been trying to deal with this, whether they're going to euthanize some of them, whether they're going to ship them to different places. We actually did a few stories on this this mm. year, so I don't know yeah. exactly oh, really? oh, I didn't which yeah. of the stories really about cocaine hippos yeah, it's is quite controversial as well, isn't it? What to do it's with them? very they're controversial. Trying to sterilize them, but trying to save them, that's expensive. Trying to I mean, them. there's quite the kind of disagreement and controversy going on between people who are saying, look, these hippos don't belong here. They're very damaging mm. to the ecosystem. They're just not part of, you know, they're really like smashing up the the habitats and things like that. So, you know, as as much as hippos are inherently kind of funny and adorable, their impact is, you know, not negligible. Mm. But people are kind of, you know, understandably like, don't go kill all the hippos. Yeah. So yeah. it is a tricky one. I mean, it's I think you see this with like the feral horses in Australia. You see this in a lot of cases where sometimes an animal that is doing a lot of harm is also super beloved yeah. and slash adorable. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I think we could just maybe educate the hippos in abstinence. Some solutions to the world's problems here. Don't worry. Um, we in the Nature Podcast uh, are all over it. We're going to be back solving more of these fun kind of problems uh, next year. But for now, that is the end of the end of year festive quiz slash game of 20 questions congratulations to my three contestants hey. i'm gonna nick's gonna be upset at me but i am gonna award the prize to flora <laughs> wow, nick's gonna be feel. upset wow okay all right i mean i can't defend my choice but congratulations flora. i'll take well done, it flora. nobody asked me how it came well done, to that flora. handing over the big metaphorical wrestling belt to you for next year yeah. um listeners at home how good is your memory? Let us know. Email us, tweet us whether you got any of those uh, questions before our competitors here in the studio. Um, and as usual, we will uh, link to all of these stories and videos and various things in the show notes. But yes, thank you so much for, for taking part um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Hey. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hasta la vista, baby. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better one. Nice. <laughs> I have to say, having worked with you for as long as I have, Nick, I'm not sure why it was a surprise to hear so many Terminator 2 references, but somehow it still was when I heard it. Well, it took me by surprise as well, because I wasn't sure Ben's reference was a Terminator 2 reference, thus my confusion. (laughs) I still think I won this quiz, but never mind. (laughs) Always some sore losers at the Nature Podcast. Anyway, in a screeching tonal U-turn, let's move on to our next song. As much fun as we've been having through this year, both in quizzes and otherwise, the planet has not been faring so well. Just a few weeks ago, 2023 was declared the hottest year ever recorded, and scientists are already predicting that the 1.5 degree target set in Paris in 2015 may be out of reach. And with worsening impacts of climate change being felt all over the world every day, the urgency for action is growing ever greater. So with that in mind, here is Warming Night. Written by me, with help from Brendan Marr, and again performed and recorded by Phil Self. Silent night, warming night, climate change, words seem trite, the heart is since records began Hopes for change Going down the path Desperation for thee In twenty Whoa. 
Finally, on our festive spectacular, it's time for a little bit of reflection of the year that's just gone by. And the way we like to do that on the Nature Podcast is talk about Nature's 10. This is an article that highlights 10 people who shaped science in the past year. And joining me to do so is Features Editor Richard Van Norden. Richard, hi. Hi Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. I've had some old wine, so I'm very much in the mood for some festive reflection. So I wanted to talk to you today about Nature's 10. Now, we probably won't have time to talk about all of them in detail, but first of all, I wanted to talk to you about Kalpana Kalahasti. And so she was part of the team that helped put India on the moon this year. This was a really memorable moment for India. In fact, only the Soviet Union, the United States and China have ever put equipment on the moon. But India became the fourth country to achieve the feat this year. And Kalpana Kalahasti was part of the team at ISRO, the Indian Space Research Organization, that did this. And what made this really special for them was that she was also part of the team in 2019 when an effort to land on the moon failed. It's interesting as well because the Chandrayaan-3 mission was kind of built on the failure of the previous mission. Exactly, and they actually had a massive challenge, was that they didn't have a bigger budget. The budget had to be the same as the one before, about 70 to $80 million. They didn't have any more mass that they could work with, so they basically couldn't redesign a failed lander, and they couldn't really build in many redundancies in case something failed. So Galahasti had to work to sort of reconfigure the orbiter and lander of the previous mission they actually cut down the mass of the orbiter to have more fuel and stronger legs and various other improvements without actually spending more money than the previous mission and that's quite an accomplishment as well because this year saw quite a few attempts at landing on the moon and india 
you know, really shone in this respect. Yeah, this year, Japan, well, a Japanese company called iSpace, they crashed. A Russian attempt to land on the moon crashed. And there have been other moon missions that have crashed. So it really is very difficult to do. And although the whole mission was live for about two weeks on the moon, it did achieve quite a lot, had a lander and a rover. It measured a moonquake. It measured the surprisingly sparse density of the moon's ionosphere, which could mean that communications from the moon might be a little bit easier than we thought looked at the moon's soil and this was in the south pole of the moon which is a bit harder to land on than other areas and it's really reignited confidence in india's space agency perhaps investment in indian research and kalahasti says apart from all the technical success she hopes that young professionals across India and the world get inspired by how the team recovered from their failure. No, it's certainly an inspiring story. And going from one incredible achievement in science to another, Katsuhiko Hayashi, he was part of the team that created viable eggs from the cells of male mice. Well, yeah, not only viable eggs, they actually created live mouse pups, young mice, from the cells of two male parents. And they did that by making eggs from male mice cells. So the implication, but this is a very long way way away, is, you know, could it be possible to have all male births, essentially? Can you make viable eggs from two fathers? And that's what he achieved in mice. And, you know, this is an achievement that many researchers actually thought was impossible. Yeah, So Hayashi has worked for a long time on this. Previously, he got mouse stem cells into becoming eggs and fertilising them, producing live pups. And this time, what he did was he got the cells from male mice to produce those eggs. He said, actually, it's not that difficult when we asked him, (laughs) but it sounds quite difficult to me. What they actually did was they took cells from the tails of male mice and these cells have both x and y chromosomes in them like our cells and they reprogrammed them into stem cells and you can use genetical chemical methods to do that and in that process some of the cells spontaneously lose their y chromosomes they isolate them then they use another chemical that causes some errors of cell division and they ended up with some cells that have two x chromosomes effectively female and then they create an egg from there and so on now After all this, they've got to fertilise the eggs, they've got to transplant the embryos into female mice, and after hundreds of embryo transfers, they only got seven live pups, young mice born, but still an incredible feat. An incredible feat, and as you sort of alluded to, one that could potentially be very beneficial, because this could be used to help species that may be on the brink of extinction, right? Yeah, so they are apparently turning their attention now to the northern white rhinoceros, one of the most endangered species in the world. There are only two known northern white rhinos alive today both female and they're hoping their techniques could be a way to save that lineage but growing rhino sperm and eggs in the lab is going to be much more difficult than working with mice and as for human reproductive cells i mean this could be decades away but you know his lab is is leading in the idea of making germline cells eggs and sperm from somatic cells and you conceivably we could be talking about new ways to create babies from people who are infertile or from two men or something like that so incredible science and he's very clear that you know the ethical points around this is really not for him to pronounce on that society needs to make these decisions on whether to use these kinds of eggs that he's made not scientists and speaking of society the next person i wanted to talk to you 
about has been working on perhaps a way, maybe in the future, of producing a lot of energy, which I think is something that we're quite interested in as a society. And I'm talking here about Annie Critcher. Yeah, so I'm sure our listeners have heard of this, but this is the National Ignition Facility in the United States, which last year, in fact, was the first to produce more fusion energy than went into the nuclear fusion attempt. There's a huge caveat on that. So this is done with about 192 laser beams, and they are firing onto a frozen pellet of deuterium and tritium. These are isotopes of hydrogen. And this pulse of energy generates really high temperatures, 3 million degrees Celsius, and they actually fuse into helium. And that fusion releases energy, and more energy came out of the fusion than came onto the pellet. But way, 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 way more energy was used to fire up the laser beams and went into the whole apparatus in the first place. So we're not getting more energy out yet than in. But we did get more energy out than went into the pellet. So there really was a fusion reaction there. It's the same kind of reaction that happens inside stars, inside hydrogen bombs. And, you know, this was a really exciting announcement So why this year? Well, Annie Critcher, who leads on the design of this kind of stuff, this year they showed that this was reliable and reproducible. So they've done quite a lot of shots. They've got four successful runs out of the last six shots. Next year they want to get even higher yields, even more energy out than in. It is something, though, that always feels like it's maybe a decade off, but this work that Critcher has done has really helped sort of, I guess, revitalise hope that this could be a viable source of energy. Yeah, I mean, we should say that The National Ignition Facility really exists to bolster nuclear weapons science. It's supposed to help the United States reliably test its thermonuclear weapons without actually detonating them for real. But nonetheless, this has ignited a lot of interest in laser fusion, and there are now private companies that are hoping to demonstrate that this is going to work. Now, practically speaking, you're going to need to have lots of lasers firing and then after each shot you somehow have to recharge the lasers and refresh the pellet and do that lots of times so this might not actually be the most practical route to fusion and our listeners might have heard of other routes like the ITER test project the fusion reactor in France which is using powerful magnetic fields to try and compress and contain a a very high temperature plasma and maybe that's the way to go and there are other private firms that are trying out smaller versions of that with improvements in technology so i'm still not sure myself that firing lots of lasers is going to be better (laughs) than using powerful magnetic fields however all that said the wave of enthusiasm over this project it is the first one that's shown more energy out than in despite the caveat on that now critcher herself says you know it's not a question of if but when fusion energy arrives so she is very optimistic But going from optimism to maybe a slightly different place here, I wanted to talk to you about James Hamlin. And so he has worked on superconductivity, but you haven't highlighted him this year for his research, really, but more for some sort of sleuthing he's been doing. Yeah, he poured cold water on some sensational claims of superconductivity at room temperature. So this was very exciting when it was announced a material that can conduct electrical current with no resistance and that works at room temperature because all the ones we know you have to cool them down or put them under pressure this one had to be on a kind of moderate pressure but it was claimed to work at room temperature and it was published in nature so a lot of attention on this 
But lots of physicists were immediately very doubtful. One reason was that Ranga Diaz, the physicist behind this discovery, he'd actually had previous papers retracted. One of those had been in nature as well. So already there was scepticism. But what James Hamlin had done is he, with another physicist, Brad Ramshaw, sort of pointed out a series of concerns about this research and sent them to nature. And behind the scenes, they essentially went back and forth with the editors and with Diaz to try and figure out whether the measurements, the data, were solid. And essentially, Hamlin's saying they just never got a a straight answer to this question. And in the end, eight of 11 authors in this paper asked for it to be retracted, and it was barely half a year after it was published. But Hamlin really put a lot of energy into digging into and deconstructing and calling out this claim. In fact, it's not the only claim he's called out of Diaz's. He's also found plagiarism in Diaz's thesis, He's found other problems with Diaz's work. He's sort of become a a sleuth, probably a role he wasn't expected to take on, (laughs) but one that should really be praised. No, and by the sounds of it in this article as well, he's never really been a stranger to questioning results. Right from the beginning of his sort of scientific career, like he had this sort of critical analysis ideal inputted into him. Yeah, yeah. He tells this story of being very excited to find superconductivity and his advisors saying, well, do some more measurements and the signal disappears. And that kind of taught him how sceptical you have to be in this field, which is a field that's very tricky to take measurements. You can easily fool yourself with the delicate equipment needed. I mean, there's a lot of other sleuths actually went into calling out Diaz. And in fact, Hamlin was sort of first put onto this by George Hirsch, another physicist, who three years ago in an older paper thought he saw a problem with Diaz's paper and he actually pointed out it was quite similar to a paper that Hamlin himself had co-authored and Hamlin dug into his own work and found evidence that another person had manipulated data for it that was retracted so this all sort of got Hamlin going on this skeptical track and there are other researchers who helped to call out this problem but we chose Hamlin in part for his work behind the scenes with Nature's Editors to get the paper retracted. And as you sort of mentioned as well like he isn't a full-time sleuth he is a superconductivity researcher as well yeah he wants to get back to his own research next year <laughs> he said superconductivity is still the topic in physics that he finds most exciting and, and there is actually a revival of interest in this field which is fascinating he said the bs of human beings is much less interesting to discover than the mysteries of nature <laughs> well maybe on the kind of topic of bs i wanted to talk to you about something this year that maybe is a producer of such some bs sometimes and that is chat gpt and, and before we get into this one i just wanted to ask as well like Normally, Nature's 10 is the 10 people who helped shape science this year. And actually, there's 11 things on here. And one of them is not a person. It's ChatGPT. So what's happened here? Right. Yeah. Well, ChatGPT, obviously a computer program, not a person, has had such a huge influence on science. And let's be honest, it's also often anthropomorphized. Its output appears to be human, but obviously isn't. And so there was a movement from some people to add it to Nature's 10. But of course, Nature's 10 is the stories of people. So we decided to put it in as an unprecedented 11th (laughs) non-person for this year, basically because of its extremely profound and wide-ranging effect on science and on society in the past year. And that's not to say either that specifically ChatGPT is going to be, you know, the program that scientists are going to be using. There are so many competitors and generative AI keeps on building 
But it's really the poster child. It's the one. It got released. It catalyzed widespread interest in this. We've done surveys of thousands of scientists. Lots of them are using it. And even if they're not using it, they're incredibly interested in it and are building on it in different ways to change how science is done. So we thought that was just a a signature moment for 2023 that really had to be commemorated in this list. Now, I should say we also are profiling Ilya Sitskova, the chief scientist of OpenAI, who played such a big part in developing ChatGPT, and his human story is one of nature's ten. But we've also picked ChatGPT as a non-human 11th. And as I mentioned as well, ChatGPT is incredibly useful, but also it can sort of hallucinate, it can invent things, it can make stuff up. So, you know, where do you see the role of ChatGPT in science? Is it benefit? Is it danger? Is it both? And how do we go forward with ChatGPT? Yeah, it's definitely two-edged. On the one hand, I think generative AI is going to be a benefit for science. The idea just of training these large neural nets, whether it be on language or on scientific data, getting them to encode the structure of all this data and to be able to generate fresh versions of it or to be further trained to learn patterns in the data. Effectively, that's what ChatGPT is doing for language. That's incredibly powerful, and it could help scientists make all kinds of new discoveries. And we already see papers coming out this year about generative AI being used in material science and chemistry and biology. So many ways to brainstorm and guide scientific research. Perhaps we could be seeing designing of new molecules or simulating the behavior of cells. But this is all saying, you know, if it's used carefully and transparently and... um, not used for bad things and unfortunately it's a double-edged sword and we also see ChatGPT being used well in science anyway to fake research papers to produce fundamentally unreliable content everything has to be verified and checked because the computer program is is merely generating likely text rather than sort of thinking about it and so there's a good and a bad to all of this a worthy list indeed and as i say listeners go check out the show notes for a link to the full article where you can read about everyone and everything in nature's 10 this year but for now thank you so much for joining me richard thanks nick And that's it for this edition of the show and our last regular podcast of 2023. But never fear, we still have some more special content coming up. Keep your eye out for a very special documentary all about the AI black box, which will be appearing in your feed very soon. Along with our annual clip show, highlighting some of the podcast team's favourite stories of the year. And one final long read, all about burgeoning solar tech. Finally, before we go, we want you to thank you so much for listening over the past 12 months. Yes, indeed. It's been a bumper year for science, and we're so happy that you've joined us to explore it. Here's to 2024. I've been Noah Baker. And I've been Nick Petrichow. Happy holidays. Deep dive into the world of science with Nature Plus. From the vastness of the distant star systems to the intricacies of infectious diseases due to climate change, we've got you covered. Enjoy access to over 55 cutting-edge journals, breaking scientific news, and over a 1,000 new articles every month. Whether you're a seasoned researcher or just curious, Nature Plus simplifies complex studies. Plus, it's all available right at your fingertips on nature.com. Nature Plus the key to unlocking the world's most significant scientific advances.
Subscribe today at go.nature.com slash plus.